The legal views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute or contain legal advice. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. Welcome to episode 107 of the show. And let me just start right now by apologizing in advance. I want to get my apology up here out front because for the last few weeks, I've been opening this podcast by ranting about how happy I am about how well the University of Miami football team has been doing. And every week I've been doing it, and I imagine it probably annoys some people who root for other teams, and it probably annoys some listeners on this podcast who don't like football and are like, why is he talking about football? This is a music business podcast, and I just want to apologize now because you better believe I'm going to do it again. Yes, Canes! Go Miami! Oh my goodness! Last night, the University of Miami Hurricanes, the greatest football team for the greatest university in the United States, absolutely mollywopped, laid the smackdown, opened can after can of whoop-ass on Notre Dame, we beat the number three team in the country, 41 to eight. It was not even close. It was complete and utter and unequivocal domination. Oh my goodness. We are now ranked number two in the AP poll. I just saw the AP poll right before I started recording. The poll just came out for today and we are ranked number two in the country just behind Alabama. We even got some first place votes in the poll. Are you kidding me? Oh my God. My alma mater is number two in the country, the University of Miami, where I am a proud graduate of its business school, where my amazing wife is a PhD graduate of the School of Education, and where I have always been a dedicated fan of this football team. Oh my God, I can't believe we beat Notre Dame by that much. 41 to 8, they're ranked number three, and we trounced them. Yes! Miami, 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 hurry! Hurricanes, drive, drive, you hurricanes, keep right on going up that score in Miami, 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 hurricanes, drive on over the goal and on to victory, M-I-A-M-I. M-I-A-M-I, fight, fight, fight. My dog is barking. That's how excited we all are. <laughs> Woo, I'm exhausted. I need a, oh, I need a, oh, oh, oh my God. My, my dog is losing her mind. She's like, why is my owner going so crazy? I'm out of breath. Oh my God. What a game. What a game. And look, I know all of the people who are predicting said that the University of Miami was going to lose this game. Everybody was picking Notre Dame, but look. Here's the thing about football, man. If you're a team that can generate turnovers, that's the great equalizer. You know, If you're a team that can generate turnovers, can make short fields for your offense, you can make things happen. And that's what happened here for the university. They just, they are turnover machine. They got four turnovers last night. I think they've had four turnovers each of the last four weeks. And if you can take the ball away, you always have a chance in football. And that's what the University of Miami showed. They... 
Oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy, and I hope we keep this going because, man, University of Miami hasn't been this good at football in a long time, man. We have a long history of football excellence, but, man, it's just we haven't been doing it as well recently, and it's just nice to be back. And and if you're thinking I'm obnoxious about this and I'm an obnoxious Canes fan, you better believe it, man. And this is the way we Canes fans are. The problem is we've just been quiet for a decade and a half because the team hasn't been good. But now the team's good and your Twitter feeds and your Facebook feeds are about to be filled with all the annoying Canes fans in your life. And for that, I apologize. But oh my goodness, we beat Notre Dame. Notre Dame overrated. South Bend overrated. Rudy overrated. You know, no, I take that back. I take that back. Rudy is an excellent movie. I've, I've gone way too far there. I can't knock Rudy. I mean, that movie is a freaking classic. I mean, the last scene where he he gets the sack against Georgia Tech, he's so little, he's got nothing but heart, but the heart got him all the way to his goals and... Oh, God. Anyway, okay. You can rate, review, and subscribe to the Break the Business podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. I really hope you throw those reviews and those ratings, guys. Those really help our podcast to throw those up there. They move us forward. They help spread the word about us. Please go on those platforms, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, and throw us a like. And uh, let us know that you love what we're doing. You can reach out to the Break the Business podcast. I'm still out of breath from my singing of the UM fight song. (laughs) Let me just take a breath here. You can email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com if you want to send us some questions to answer on the show. Uh, you guys have been sending lots of great questions lately, and I want to squeeze as many in as we can over the next few weeks, but keep those coming. Um, you also can send us some show topics. If there's a topic you want us to talk about for your music career, we're happy to do that. And you can also, uh, you know, just, uh, say hi, let us know how we're doing. Let us know how we can make the show better for you. Also, my book is available, break the business, declaring your independence, And Achieving True Success in the Music Industry, it's available in three different formats. One, two, three, ebook, audiobook, and paperback. Check that out at Amazon.com. The book is, again, called Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry. Our guest this week, so excited to talk to one of my favorite people we've had on the show before, Verity White. So awesome, so engaging, so funny, so talented. Let me let me clue you in on all things Verity White if you are not familiar with why she's just so wonderful. She is a UK-based rock recording artist. Uh, recently, she won the Best Female Indie Artist of 2017 award from Spiderweb Radio. Very well-deserved. And she's going to be on because she's got her new album out, Breaking Out, It is awesome. I've listened to it top to bottom. It is just a rock jam. Like, rock's not even one of my favorite genres, but I can appreciate this album. It is so, so good. And she's going to talk to us about that album, but we're also going to get some tips from her. I want to talk to her about how she blogs so effectively. She's one of the best bloggers I've seen in indie music. And she's going to talk to us also about how to make the most of various revenue streams as an indie artist. She's really good at kind of finding all the different pockets of money that are out there for indie artists. And so we're going to talk to her about that, and I'm so excited to have her on in the next segment. But uh, we've got some stuff to talk about here before we bring her in, so be patient. (laughs) If you are a Verity White fan, she's going to be worth the wait. She is awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And, oh, we talked British television with her, too. Last time we had her on, we talked British television because she's from the U.K. and she loves the British television. So we'll rap about some Doctor Who and things like that for sure. Um, 
Also coming by in the show in the third segment, we're going to have our friend of the show, Spruik, coming by a little later. He's going to give us an update on his Kickstarter campaign for his new project, Pieces. We've been talking about this uh, last few episodes. Pieces is an ambitious multi-album project that Spruik is working on, and yours truly actually did a little bit of voice acting for it. I he's, he, he got a bunch of different creative folks to contribute to this album. He asked me if I'd be willing to do some voiceover work for it. I told him I'd be happy to because you're a friend of the show, and we take care of our friends of the show around here, and uh, I'm excited for it. He's got the Kickstarter campaign going on for Pieces right now, and you should check it out. You go to Kickstarter and search Pieces, a thousand albums at the end of America, He's a little over halfway to his funding goal, and I really think y'all should help him out because he's a friend of the podcast. We help those people around here. We help our community, and you can check that out. Pieces, a thousand albums at the end of America, and you're gonna we're gonna talk to him in the third segment and find out how he is doing. I am I'm so excited to talk to both of these fantastic people today. Man, we got a fun show talking to fun, talented people this week. You guys picked a great week to download us, but I love talking to these two people in particular. Because not only are Verity White and Spruik great artists, but they are truly friends of this podcast. And they even were both kind enough to donate prizes to our prize pack for the seven-note song contest that we announced on last week's show. Let me do a quick update on that because I have some additional news to announce with respect to our seven-note song contest. This contest is moving fast, man. There's just... I've been getting some entries for it. You guys have come out in full force. You guys have uh, sent in some songs already, which is amazing because the deadline's not even for uh, like uh, three weeks, but you guys are excited for this. You guys want this prize pack, and I'm just so thrilled because this is exactly what I wanted for this this uh, this song contest. Let me, let me lay out what's going on here, all right? Um, if you're an indie artist and you're looking to move your career forward, which I imagine you are if you're listening to this show, or you're at least somebody who supports indie artists and want to help them move forward, you should take part in this contest. It's super cool, and it's going to be great for the community of indie artists around this show. All right, so here's what's going on. Let me refresh people's memories. All right, we have this song contest that's going out in honor of the Serge Tonkin seven-note challenge. So... Uh, Serge Tonkin, the guy from System of a Down, uh, amazing rock artist, has put out a seven-note song contest. And the way it works is it's a song contest where the best song wins, but there are two main rules for the song. One, the song that you submit to the Serge Tonkin challenge has to be under three minutes. And second, the song must start with a specific sequence of seven notes. That You can find those seven notes at SergeTonkinChallenge.com. That's S E R J. T-A-N-K-I-A-N challenge.com. And as long as you follow those two rules, you can do whatever else you want with the song. It can be any genre. It can be any tempo. It can be any key. Although I imagine since he gives you the seven notes, you kind of have to stay in a certain key. But you have a lot of flexibility with this. You can really let your freak flag fly and do some creative stuff. And we want somebody from this podcast to win this song contest. That's what we talked about last week. Selfishly, I want somebody from this community to win this contest because I want to be able to brag to my fellow podcast people and to my fellow indie music people and be like, somebody who listens to my show won the Serge Tonkin Challenge and won 
$5,000 because that's the grand prize for that. I want to be able to brag to people, much like how the parent of a straight-A student will brag to all of the aunts and uncles in the family about how smart their kid is. I want to be that annoying parent. So selfishly, I'm trying to encourage people to win this contest because I want somebody from our community to ultimately triumph. And selflessly, I want somebody from the community to win this contest because I think it's going to be good for your career. $5,000 in your pocket. You can do a lot with that. You can really move your career forward with that kind of cabbage. And it's just going to be, it's going to give you a chance to be more creative and, and just move your career forward in so many ways. You can build social media campaigns around it. You can build uh, video content around it. You can really get your list, your own fans involved in your participation with this contest. And so to encourage you to do the Serge Tonkin Challenge, we have created our own little mini song contest with just the folks in our community. So here's how that's going to work. Um, you have your, it's all the same rules as the Serge Tonkin Challenge. You got the three minutes, the seven notes, but the contest is just going to be with our own listeners. And if you win our contest, which is just going to be within our own community, you can win a prize pack of all kinds of different prizes from our community of uh, guests we've had on the show in the past. And that prize pack is worth over $500. So you get all kinds of cool stuff. And I'm going to talk to you guys about what the prize pack has in it because we have some additions to make in it because we're adding to the prize pack this week. And um, yeah, you can win all kinds of stuff. So here's how it works. If you want to be in the Serge Tonkin Challenge, if you want to enter that one, the one that has the $5,000 grand prize, you submit your song to SergeTonkinChallenge.com by December 15th. If you want to be in the Break the Business song contest, which again has the same rules, same seven notes, you can go to SergeTonkinChallenge.com to find those notes. If you want to be in our contest, you have to enter your song and submit it to BreakTheBusiness at gmail.com. That's BreakTheBusiness at gmail.com by December 8th one week before the deadline for the Serge Tonkin Challenge. So if you do our contest, which ultimately is there to help get give you more incentive to do the Serge Tonkin Challenge, here's what you're going to win from our group. So we reached out to a bunch of former guests from this podcast and asked them to donate stuff for our prize pack, and they came out in full force. And here's what we got. So if you win our seven-note song contest, you will receive a copy of Ari Hurston's awesome book, How to Make It in the New Music Business. Ari Hurston from ariestake.com. Great musician, but also one of the best advice givers for indie artists out on the internet right now. He's so great. And you can get a copy of his book, How to Make It in the New Music Business. You'll also receive a music and merchandise pack from Mary Amber. She was the guest on our very first episode back in 2015. She's been on a couple times since then, and she is wonderful. I adore her, and her music is awesome, and her merchandise is awesome. You'll also get a copy of Ariel Hyatt's awesome crowdfunding book, Crowdstart. If you don't know Ariel Hyatt, she's been a guest on the show before. She is the best PR person for indie artists out there. So good at what she does. A true friend of this show and a true friend of the independent musician. And you're going to want to get her book. And you will get it if you 
if you win our song contest. You can check out more about what she does by visiting episode 59 of our podcast where we interview her. From Suzanne Polinski, the rock star advocate, she's going to give you a copy of her Rockstar Life Planner, a great, great, great guide to help you plan out your music career uh, on a day-by-day basis. And she's also throwing in six of her eBooks on self-care, recording, financials, contracts, branding, and touring. So much information from the Rockstar Advocate in our prize pack. From DJ Spruik, we're going to hear from him a little later in the show. You can receive the, you'll receive the $25 reward from his new Kickstarter project, Pieces, as well as the album from his last Kickstarter album project, Music to Die Alone in Space 2. From Verity White, she's coming up in the next segment. You're going to get a new copy, or a copy of her new album, Breaking Out. She is fantastic, and you're not going to want to miss that. And you will also receive from me a signed copy of the Break the Business book and an hour of free consulting services from me. I don't consult with artists. I don't have the time. I don't, so I don't, I don't do consulting services, but I am going to make this available to you if you win this contest. We'll have an hour. We'll talk about your career. We'll make some plans. We'll help you move that career forward. And that was everything I announced last week. Since then, we have made some new, we have a new prize that we're adding to the prize pack for our seven-note song contest. Our friends at Indie Band Guru, a great website for indie artists. They do profiles on indie artists. They do album reviews, great indie artist resources. Our friends at Indie Band Guru uh, are adding a new prize to our prize pack. If you win the seven-note song contest, in addition to all the other prizes that I just announced, which is over $500 in value... You will also get your own feature and your own article written about you in Indie Band Guru. Wow. So you're going to get you're going to get some great books from some smart people out in the music industry. You're going to get some great music to listen to, some great merchandise. You're going to get consulting services from me, and now you're going to get a feature in Indie Band Guru to help give you some publicity and exposure. Oh my goodness, this prize pack's getting crazy. And all you got to do is win our seven-note song contest. Um, If you need more information about the contest uh, and about the Serge Tonkin Challenge, which ultimately is the reason why I want you guys to do our contest, uh, go ahead and check out my Twitter, at Ryan K-A-I-R. I've posted a contest flyer on there that has all the info you're ever going to need. Again, my Twitter, Ryan K-A-I-R. You can find the flyer there. So let's review. We got the Serge Tonkin Challenge. You can find out the rules for that by visiting SergeTonkinChallenge.com. That's S-E-R-J-T-A-N-K-I-A-N Challenge.com. You can find out the rules for the contest, and you can listen to the seven notes that you have to start the song with to be eligible for this song contest. You have to submit your song to that website by 12-15, that's uh, December 15th, to be eligible for that contest's $5,000 grand prize. Okay, now in support of that contest, we are doing our own contest with just the folks from our podcast community, with just our own community of listeners. And if you want to enter that contest with all the same rules, you know, basically the song you submit for the Serge Tonkin Challenge, you could also submit for our contest. You, you go to breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You send your song there. And if you win our contest, you can win over $500 in prizes Book from Ari Hurston, album and merchandise from Mary Amber, book from Ariel Hyatt, books, plural, from The Rockstar Advocate, albums from DJ Spruik, an album from Verity White, 
and uh, my book and consulting services from me, and you'll get your own profile in Indie Band Guru. All together, if you can, you get all those prizes if you win our song contest. All right. So best of luck. If you have any questions, feel free to email me at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. I really want you guys to do your best. Go for this. Give this a shot. Whatever you're doing in your music career, make time for this because this can really help move your career forward. All right. Before we bring in Verity White, I want to talk to you a little about something pretty interesting I saw in the news recently. Uh, Digital Music News is reporting that the company Musical.ly um, that is M-U-S-I-C-A-L dot L-Y. Uh, a lot of people call it musical dot Lee. That's not right. It's just called Musical.ly. It is a cool, cool platform. The teenagers love it. It's, you know, it's really popular with the kids these days. And apparently it's very popular with invest- investors now, too, because Digital Music News has reported that Musical.ly just sold from, and they're saying the selling price could be anywhere from $800 million dollars to a billion dollars, billion with a B. Whoa. I mean, I mean, I've been following this platform for a while and I always kind of looked at it. I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. That's a neat little platform, but I didn't think it was a billion dollar platform. That's incredible. If you don't know what musically is, let me walk you through it. Cause it might actually be a cool thing for you guys to use. So it's kind of like just a micro sync licensing platform. So basically what happens is you can make little 15 second videos on Musical.ly and you can use in your video like 15 second snippets from all kinds of popular songs. So it has a library of songs, including a lot of popular songs that are on the charts right now. And you can take 15 second clips from those songs and put them in your videos and then post those videos to Facebook and Twitter and all that good stuff. And so it's, it's like micro sync licensing. It allows normal people like you and me and you know, your next door neighbor to use actual top 40 or popular songs or anybody's music in your videos uh, that you can post on Facebook and Twitter. It's really cool. It like demo- it's like democratizing sync licensing. Um, the users don't pay anything for the most part. It's got some in-app purchases, but mainly the artists make money just from you know licensing fees and things like that. So you as a content creator can add your music to the Musical.ly platform to allow others to put your music in their videos and... Apparently, this platform just took off, man. People love making little 15-second videos with pop songs in them. You know, you just lip-syncing to songs or just having this music as a soundtrack to a little 15-second video you make. Whatever it is, this thing took off, and it's, now it's selling for a billion dollars. That's that's crazy. And when I read this story, all I could think about is just how this musically sale fits into the context of what's happening with the music industry as a whole. And it's a really intriguing development because, I mean, look, artists have been complaining for the last few years, and rightfully so, about how frustrated they are that streaming is taking over downloading in the music industry, and it gives you a feeling like the money is disappearing from the music business. You're all saying to yourself, man, I used to be able to put a song on iTunes, and I'd sell it for $9.99 on iTunes and I got six bucks, you know, six, seven dollars from iTunes every time I sold a copy of something. Like that's tangible money in my pocket. And now we're a streaming industry. So now you're not getting six dollars for every album you sell on iTunes. Instead, 
People are streaming your music for six-tenths of a cent at a time on Spotify, and now it's these little micropayments, and a lot of artists are just getting frustrated because they're saying, I can't, I can't get enough streams for you know it all to add up and actually generate an amount of money that lets me pay my rent or eat. And you know, artists are frustrated by this. And what the sale of musically shows us. And it's kind of a silver lining in this is that the money's not disappearing from the music industry. It's there. It's just becoming more spread out. But all the, you know, the, the money that you need to make a career in the music industry is still there. It's just not all in the same space anymore. And it's not all just concentrated in the recorded music sector. It used to be that all, you know, there's a lot of money in the music industry and it was all just in selling albums. And, now it's spread out. And that's a positive development for the music industry. The music business fell apart in 2000 when Napster came in because the music business was all concentrated in CDs and recorded music sales. All the money was in recorded music. And when Napster took that away, when Napster crushed the recorded music industry, the whole industry fell apart because it was all based in recorded music. And so all the money vanished. And so it was a profitable industry, but it wasn't a stable one. So now what we have is a music industry that is much more stable because the revenue streams are more diverse. You know, now you can make money from recorded music through streaming, but you're also making money on live performances and live music platforms like Stage It. And you're making money on Kickstarter and you're making money on uh, Patreon and there's all these different platforms and it's like every day there's more platforms that artists can use to make money in their career and you have to embrace all these different revenue streams. And Musical.ly is just one other example of another revenue stream that's available to you as an indie artist that you can use to, to create more money-making opportunities for yourself. And so if you're not using Musical.ly right now, you might want to check this out because it's just one more great revenue stream. You can you can add your music to the Musical.ly platform and encourage your fans to make videos with it and it gets you more exposure and can get you some royalty payments and um, ultimately and 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 even aside from just the the monetary aspect, if you're not you using Musical.ly just in your own promotion, that might be something you want to consider. I mean, how about making just videos where you take other people's songs and just, you know, show you doing some cool things out in the world to kind of let your fans get to know you better and, you know, you know, let your fans kind of check you out in a fun environment. It might be fun for your fans to see you kind of lip syncing to somebody else's song, like an Ed Sheeran song or something. That could be a fun little tweet or Instagram post for you. But, you know, the secret to success in this business as the music, as the popularity of Musical.ly is showing us, it's all about making use of all the different music revenue streams that are out there. It's about Kickstarter. It's about Patreon. It's about Spotify. It's about stage it. It's about doing live shows. It's about finding sync licensing opportunities. It's about finding micro sync licensing opportunities on a platform like musically. It's, it's about just turning over every rock that's out there and making the most of every revenue stream. The money is there in the music industry. It's just spread out like it's never been before. And frankly, that's one of the reasons why I'm really excited to talk to Verity White in this next segment, because she's written a lot of blog articles about how to make use of multiple revenue streams in your music career. So 
I'm thrilled to be talking to her next. Don't go anywhere. Verity White on the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. Shameless plug time. My new book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry is now available in paperback and an ebook. The book talks about how you can be your own boss in your music career and take control of your content creation, promotion, distribution, and fundraising. Get your copy on Amazon by searching Break the Business. It's a nice read for musicians and the people who love them. That's Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry. Thanks very much for your support. Welcome back to the Break the Business podcast. She is a UK-based rock recording artist who recently won the Best Female Indie Artist of 2017 award from Spiderweb Radio. Her new album, Breaking Out, came out on November 10th and is available on most music outlets. You can find out more about her music and her blog by visiting www.veritywhite.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we are happy to welcome back Verity White on the Break the Business podcast. Verity, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much to you and all of your very live studio audience who clearly are, are loving me today. Yo, they're, they're big fans. And look, I have them trained like seals too. Watch. And stop. Oh yeah, it's amazing. God. Just yeah. is, is it me or is that one over there kind of slippery as well? <laughs> yeah, it's a, there's one. There's always one straggler, but uh, they 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 love you and they're very very disciplined in, in how quickly they can stop and start the applause. Uh, it's a pretty <laughs> fantastic studio audience we have around here. Um, we last had you back on the podcast in July, Verity, and we we loved having you on. We got to talk to you about your career. We got some tips from you. We talked a little British television. It was just yeah. all good fun. And it, it was. Yeah. I loved it. It was amazing. You guys are awesome. Oh, bless your heart. And I feel like since we've last spoke, all you've been doing is just kicking butt lately. So you got <laughs> you got your new album out, which is cool. And you recently won Best Female Indie Artist this year from Spiderweb Radio. Tell us a little bit about that particular conquest yeah, it, of yours. It's kind of insane. They're actually, I think they're based in Detroit. So um, it was quite a, a, an intense competition. They chose um, a few of the indie artists that they support to put forward for the nominations. And then there was just a, a whole round of like Twitter polling and things like that going on. Um, and I was lucky enough to have a really beautiful group of sort of friends and fans who rallied around me and retweeted and retweeted and just got lots of people involved in the competition. Um, and, and yeah, I ended up winning. So that was a massive shock because um, I was up against people that I just didn't think I'd beat. So I'm so grateful for all of the lovely people for being very kind. <laughs> so it was a, a Twitter vote. So this is, you know, yeah. the, the people yeah, decided. Well, they kind of, yeah, they, they like chose, I think, how many did they chose like four or six, I can't remember, um, and, uh, of their, of their favorites to put forward. And then it was voting. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I imagine there was a lot of sort of promotion on your point, trying to rally your followers yeah. to, to come yeah. out in full force for you. What was your, what was your process there? <laughs> Just basically inundating them and annoying <laughs> them till they couldn't ignore me anymore. <laughs> like a three-year-old child. Three-year-old child, got it. Uh, um, well, you don't get that award without putting a lot of work into building a fantastic following for yourself. And I feel like one of the things that draws people in, in addition to the great music you do, and we're going to play a little bit of that later, is just your fan outreach. You have one of my favorite blogs of any Aww. indie artist out there. And uh, for those who are looking for it, you're quite welcome. It's over at VerityWhite.com. 
Um, what I like about it, Verity, is that it's it's a great combination of things. You got the advice for indie artists in there, but you also give folks a little bit of insight into just the things that are going on in your world and, you know, personal stuff. Like, you know, yeah. you, you got a little bit of everything. How did you eventually settle on that particular way to get yourself out there to kind of mix in some, a little bit of everything. Do you know, it's, it's actually really funny that you asked that because um, I've had some other of my like indie music friends asking what my strategy is for this. And I just, I know it's really bad, but I don't have a strategy. I'm just being authentic to who I am and I'm just being myself. And if, you know, I think, I think it's, like I said at the last time I was on, being yourself and being authentic to who you are, like warts and all, like you're having a bad day, you're having a bad day, you're having a good day, you're having a good day, you know, just honesty and that authenticity, it comes through. And people, you know, if if someone likes you as a person or, or thinks that you're honest or, you know, all those genuinely positive things, they're more likely to then take a chance on listening to your music. So it, it's, it's much more about, I think, that personal and interpersonal relationship and, and building that sort of authenticity and trust like I, I have to admit I never ever ever thought like I would be at this stage in my career after only releasing music for just over a year there's just no way so <laughs> and all all it's been is is obviously I mean yeah ho hopefully fingers crossed the music's good but it uh, the only strategy I've had is just be me and that's it so and you mentioned you put it all out there warts and all do you, you really yeah. Um, for you, it's important to kind of show your fans flaws because I think a lot of artists are kind of afraid to do that. They want to show themselves as, oh, look, I'm the perfect person with the perfect photos and the perfect yeah. everything. And that's not the way you do it. No, I mean, you know, you're, if you look at my Instagram feed or, or, you know, Twitter or something, you'll see there are plenty of pictures of me with no makeup on, my hair scraped up into a crap bun, you know, glasses, <laughs> eye bags that go on for days, you know, just, just rambling some weird stuff at people because something exciting has happened or because, I don't know, it, it, it literally couldn't be anything. But I think actually... You know, then when I do post a picture of me with all of my slap on, just about to go on stage, people are like, "Oh, actually, you you don't look so bad." <laughs> it's like, thanks, guys. But you know, I, I, it's just that truth. You know, no one is that image that you know that image that you portray twenty four seven. Okay. Like even the biggest stars in the world, all of their images are photoshopped, and they've got the best makeup artists and personal trainers and all that stuff. And it's like, actually, I'd rather get to know the person behind that. So that's kind of what I'm about. Is more about just like, yeah, okay, this is an image of me looking good, but I'm so much more than that image of me looking good. And actually, that's more important to me. Is there any compliment in the world that is more backhanded than when somebody oh puts the actually goodness. modifier in there? I know. Oh, I you see. actually oh look good. It, it, it does my head in. Oh, you scrub up all right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, yeah, I know the rest of the time, like I live 90% of my life looking hideous. But thanks. <laughs> so for you with photos, you find that the 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 authentic pictures, the the pictures, you know, where your hair is in a bun and it's more you get more engagement than ones that might be really polished and done in a professional studio. Do you know what? Actually, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I think it's it's like 
they kind of get fairly equal to be okay. honest with you um certainly the little video blogs i do quite a lot of little blogs just like snippets less than a minute um, most of those tend to be when i'm running around all over the place and i've you know forgotten something or you know it's all very normal day-to-day life kind of behind the scenesy kind of stuff and and those ones i tend to not be looking quite as glamorous as i do um you know for, sh- for shoots or for stage or whatever um but but they get a lot of engagement and and it's quite funny because i think it's just because in a little video, in a little vlog, you know, even if it's only you know, 30 seconds long, so they can see you as a person. It's about your personality and you can connect with people much better that way than just a photo of you looking good. Yeah, people really want that personal connection from their indie musicians now, right? I mean, it's so the age of social media, you know, we want we want accessibility in our yeah. in our creators. Yeah, definitely. I and, and I think that that you know, I like to think that that's something that they definitely get from me. I mean, it, it causes me stress sometimes. It, it stresses <laughs> out the marriage sometimes when Alex is like, what are you doing? I'm just replying to notifications. It's like, literally put your phone down. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually, no, I'm joking. <laughs> that's actually an interesting question. No, no, I'm just going to, I'm going to totally probe into your marriage now and just, okay. <laughs> no. well, I mean, because I think that is something that a lot of musicians have to deal with, right? Is finding that balance between putting yourself out there and giving your fans that accessibility and perhaps having to balance that with a spouse who's like, yeah, maybe you don't want to show all these pictures. <laughs> like, I mean, h- how do you sort of navigate that? Well, in a way, I suppose I'm really lucky that Alex is also a musician. So he understands like that importance of connecting with fan base and the, the kind of marketing and stuff that I do. He knows it's just me being me. And, and also because he knows it's no different to how I'd be with literally anyone. I'm not like I'm literally not being any different than I'd be if you were down the pub with me. Do you know what I mean? So it's, <laughs> it's not like I'm pretending to be someone else or, you know, out there sort of being all like flirty and sultry and sending, you know, naked pictures to people. But I think it's more of the case of like, if we're trying to (laughs) go out for a meal or chill out and watch Stranger Things, and I'm just like, oh, hang on a minute, I've got to just reply to this, that that's when it does get in the way a little bit. And I'm trying to hone that down slightly (laughs) and give myself time off of my mobile devices. Oh man, it's, they're so addictive though, right? I know, I know. (laughs) So... Well, let's let, let me shift the, the focus away from uh, the uh, your the posts that are just slowly destroying your marriage about you know <laughs> your pictures and everything, and move to the fo- the the posts about uh, that you that you write about just giving indie, uh, advice to indie artists because some yeah. of those posts are really fantastic. You're one of my favorite reads, and I wish more indie artists posted about giving advice because when the advice comes from me like who am i i'm just some lawyer i don't know i don't know what it's like but you're in the trenches and some of the stuff you write is really insightful you had a great post on your blog back in september that Mm. you called making money as an indie musician and you discuss the challenges that artists have in making money in their career in the age of streaming and you give some great insight on other revenue sources that are available to indie artists that they can explore because streaming can often be a hard revenue source to you know, get money from and so you need other ones. And you mentioned that you shouldn't just make your music available just as regular recordings, but you should also offer what you called exclusive treats. What might those yeah. treats look like? Well, I think it kind of depends on the, the fan base. I hate I hate using the word fan. It makes me feel really weird, like, oh fans. Um anyway, <laughs> I think it I think it kind of depends on what your fan base looks like. Um, people that I've got that that 
sort of support uh, support me and and follow me on various different things. They like things like I've got. So with the album that I've just released, I've done obviously a normal album pressing, but I've done a limited edition pressing. And each one of those is I've done, only done a hundred. Um, every single one of those is numbered out of a hundred. Every single one of those is signed. They have a lyrics book of all of the lyrics that I've written for it with exclusive photographs in there. And you can't get that anywhere else apart from that content. And what's really cool is people, people that are really interested, your actual true kind of loyal fans, they want that because that's something that they know after those hundred are gone, you're not going to make that again. And that exclusive content is, is, is really special. And actually they feel that's really special and it's palpable to them to have something from you that, that feels, you know, even more special than just, just a download of your music. No, that is really cool. And again, and, and, you know, we're in an industry now where the fan bases are smaller, but you can get more money per fan if you're willing to offer them individualized experience. So check this one out. I had uh, Emma Stevens on a few weeks back on the podcast. And one of the things that she does, um, which is kind of like what you're doing with the photos is she gets one of those like old school disposable cameras and we'll just take like 30 pictures in the camera. And then as one of the exclusive treats that she gives out to her fans, she'll mail that fan that camera and they have 30 pictures that nobody else has. And she doesn't even know what's in them because, you know, it's it's a disposable camera, so you can't see oh, the pictures. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. What an amazing idea. I love that. I might steal it. I'm very sorry. There you sorry, go. Emma. Well, you, 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 can, you, you can throw a throw a thank you note to Emma Stevens. Um, but... Amanda Palmer does something fairly similar. She does, like, individual artwork for people and stuff, which is really cool. I've seen her do that on her Patreon. She she, she does, like, individual artwork and things. And, and, and like, literally just one person will get that. It's, it's really cool. Yeah, it's, it's a really good way of doing things. Well, and it's something that you can do now as an indie artist that, artists couldn't do 20 years ago the the technology simply wasn't there to give fans an individualized content experience without of course making it incredibly expensive exactly and your image as an indie artist is not being controlled by anyone else love it so you're the only person that's controlling what you put out there you're the only person that's controlling that fan experience so to speak so with that in your pocket actually it, it gives you all of the power to be able to make it amazing Oh, indeed. And speaking of things that you're amazing at, we got to talk a little bit of British pop culture here because okay. it's it's required. If, if I have you on and we don't talk any British pop culture, that's just a miscarriage <laughs> of justice. So a couple months back, we actually had you send in a recording in which you gave your thoughts on Doctor Who casting its yeah. first female doctor. And we're all excited about it. You're excited about it. And so yeah. for us Yanks out there who don't know much about Doctor Who... Can you talk to them about why this is such a big deal for, you know, because obviously like, like what, like, is there sort of an analogy for like what, for like a TV show in America for like what Doctor Who would be if it was American? Oh my God. Uh, I'm not great on American, so on American (laughs) pop culture. But Uh if you think about, okay, so think about a show that you guys have had around for like 30 years that has always had, um, a guy as the lead character. Can you think of one? Um, that's, that's been around for that amount of time. I, I, I mean, <laughs> I was just about to say James Bond, but that's your country too. That's God. British. Well, God, we'll, like, you're the country of Shakespeare. Of course you're going to create all the cool stuff. <laughs> we have nothing so, that can compare. I think what's interesting about Doctor Who is there's nothing in 
the description of that character. If you look at the description of that character, there's nothing in there that says that that character should be male. Right. They're a time-traveling alien. You know, there's nothing in that that says this person has to be male. So it's interesting, I suppose, that it always has been. And obviously there's a lot of kind of, there's a lot of the feminist agenda that that's very, you know, very pro the fact that it's going to be a woman. And there's, there's lots of kind of anti-feminist, oh my God, it's just, it's so, it's ridiculous. It's more, it's more politi- political than politics over here. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but I think that because of the patriarchy it's always been just seen as that character is male so the fact that that character has been recast as a woman is actually it's really cool because it shows that the attitude towards strong female leads taking the lead and women being in a position of intelligence and power is actually moving forward in the uk so if you take it out of the context of yeah this is time traveling alien but if you look at it from a context of the casting and the way that women are perceived in the UK is actually a really, really big deal. Wow. And uh, it has been sort of horrifying to see what people have been you know, saying on Twitter uh-huh. and things like that. But Seriously. there's so much to be excited about, though. I mean, everything I'm reading about this makes me think that she's going to crush it. And She is. She's oh. an amazing actress. The writer that she's working with, like I said before, the writer she's working with, she's worked with before, he knows how to write for her. So, uh, and, and I think that it's going to be a really interesting twist. I, I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens. I really am. You know, it's great. It's always a great show. I, I've enjoyed it through all of its kind of ups and downs. And it's, you know, it's great. It's great TV. So I, I, I think I say to any of those naysayers out there, just give her a chance. Right on. Um, what, what, so when, when is the new series for Doctor Who coming out? So she takes over on the Christmas. So they always do a big Christmas special. Right. So they've got the big. They've got the big Christmas special, which will be on Christmas week. Um, I don't know what day they've programmed it for, but it'll be on Christmas week. Um, and I'm actually in LA that week, so I'm going to have to convince my family to let me watch it. Um, <laughs> and, and they will then introduce her at the end of that. There'll be like a regeneration. I would have thought that she'll be introduced in. Um, and then the series isn't due till. I think it's like Easter next year or something like that. I think it's quite it's quite a way away. Well, so we are going to get our first look in yes. in like a couple months. So that's yeah, you will. Yeah, your oh. first look will be the Christmas episode. Yeah. Oh, so excited. Okay, uh, we're we're gonna have a watch party. It's gonna be great. Um, Yay! All right. Um, in the event that we might have lost our entire audience there, <laughs> <laughs> but I hope they didn't because um, this this kind of stuff is very important um, in, in terms of what it means for popular culture and for you know just taking a sledgehammer to the patriarchy, which is something we yes. all want to do around here. Um, let us get back to music and get back in, back to it in a big way. We got uh, your song Breaking Out, the title track of your new album, queued up mm-hmm. and ready to go, and we're going to play it right now on the Break the Yay! Business podcast.
And that was breaking out the title track to Verity White's new album here on the Break the Business podcast. Verity, thank you so much for letting us play that. Thank you very, very much for playing it. Oh, what a treat. Verity, before we let you go, and uh, mm. we really don't want to, we could talk to you forever, and we're going to make <laughs> you come back way too soon again to talk more British pop culture and music. Yay! Do you have any last tips to share with the indie artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward? I think again, like I was saying earlier, it's just it's just about authenticity. Don't let anyone ever tell you not to be yourself. Um, you know, you every every single person connects to you if you're just being a person. So you've just got to be you and go after it, and and just you know just stay true to who you are. Don't ever let anyone tell you you're not good enough. No, authenticity is so important, and you know, confidence too. Her new album, Breaking Out, is available now, folks. Give it a listen. It is fantastic. And check out her tremendous blog at VerityWhite.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Verity White, thank you so much for joining us this week. Thank you so much for having me again. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, bless your heart. We'll be right back on the Break the Business podcast. Friend of the show, John Ratzenberger here with Ryan Carella, author of Break the Business, declaring your independence and achieving true success in the music industry, available on Amazon.com. Ryan, tell the folks a little about the book. Well, the book's about empowering Well, artists. that's fascinating, Ryan, but it's only a 15-second commercial. Thanks. Welcome back, everybody. Our thanks to Verity White for joining us in the previous segment. Be sure to get that new album of hers, Breaking Out. It is available right now. It is awesome. And she is awesome. What a great guest. I've loved having her on every time she stopped by. She's so engaging. And let me put it to you this way, all right? 
every guest we've had on the podcast, and we've had too many to count at this point, I've loved each and every one of them. They've been all fantastic in their own way, but the guests who have a special place in my heart, the ones that really make me smile, are the ones that just get the show, are the ones that just, they have fun with us, and they're not afraid to let their hair down and make us laugh, and Every time Verity White stops by, that's what she embodies. She brings it every time she's here and just makes us smile. Just so, like, I know why, and I see why now she has so many fans and she's winning all these awards because she's just so engaging with the community out there. There's so much you can just learn from her example. And to top it all off, Verity White was awesome enough to donate her new album to our Seven Note Song Contest prize pack. So, yeah, we love her. She's the best. And speaking of people we love and who also have donated stuff to our Seven Note Song Contest prize pack, let's talk about another friend of the show who's doing some amazing stuff right now. And that's our buddy DJ Spruik. We've had Spruik on the podcast a couple times before. He's an electro-pop DJ. He does these really ambitious album projects. And, and kind of the way what he does here is he always has these things where it's every person who backs his Kickstarter for whatever album projects he's doing, they each get a unique copy of the album that he's making. So, you know, every album's kind of like a snowflake. None of them are the same. And all the albums have this cool narrative element to them. He's kind of telling an interesting story. And in his album projects, he collaborates with other creatives. He always has a bunch of musicians on his projects and voiceover artists and does a really good job of weaving all of those creative people together with his own creativity. And he makes something really cool and special. And a few weeks back, Spruik was talking to us about a new Kickstarter album project that he had in the oven, so to speak. And in that project, he told us he was going to tell a narrative story of a post-apocalyptic future where he's using ambient music, and he was going to then disperse elements of the story that he was telling across hundreds of unique albums that he was going to then distribute to the Kickstarter backers for his campaign, and then all those listeners would have to listen to their album and then work together, assemble each of their album pieces together, to kind of figure out the story Spruik's telling. What a cool musical concept he's doing. It's like solving a musical mystery. And I was excited because he asked me to do some voiceover work for it, and I thought that was super cool. And um, anyway, so when we last spoke to Spruik, everything was kind of still in the infancy stages for this project. He didn't have a lot of details for us. He gave us a lot of just broad strokes, but didn't really get into the nitty-gritty of what he wanted to do with this project. But... Spruik did promise us during that interview a few weeks back that when he did get his campaign up and running, that he would come back on the podcast and give us some specifics on this new project. And, true to his word, we have Spruik here joining us this week to talk to us about this project, which is now titled Pieces, A Thousand Albums at the End of America. So Spruik is here. Hey, Spruik, thank you so much for joining us. Hello, Ryan. Thank you for having me on Break the Business again. Oh, we love having you, and we've just been obsessed with your project on this podcast. We've been talking all about it the last few weeks, and I'm pretty sure the listeners finally just want to hear from the source and rather just, you know, using me as the intermediary to talk about your project, because who better to talk about it than you? Uh, this project is now up and running, so now that we have you here, can you finally tell us some specifics about what this project is all about, and more importantly... Can you tell us about the ways that this project differs from just a traditional album release? Sure. So 
I'm the Snowflake album guy. I'm the unique album guy. That's my thing. And in Music to Die Alone in Space 2 in 2015, I saw a chance to put meaning and importance back in the value of buying an album rather than just streaming it or mass producing by creating the concept of a Kickstarter where every backer got their own personalized copy of the album. So Music to Die Alone in Space 2 was not strictly composed or written. It was a series of algorithms and patterns that output songs. So I could output a song for backer number 100, make it sound a certain way, rewind all the equipment back to the start, change a few random seeds, and then have it output copy of the song number 101 for the next backer and get a track that was like the same track, but different. Different happy accidents, different notes in some places, different rhythms, different sounds. Um, But on Music to Die Alone in Space 2, everybody got the same story. Your album would always be about an astronaut who is floating in space until they die. Now, Pieces takes that unique snowflake approach and blows it out of the water with making the story unique, too. So the core of Pieces is the idea of the piece which is a tape segment of someone's story, a short story written by over a dozen diverse different authors, each with their own points of view on what it's going to be like after the great American apocalypse. When America dies, people have to live through it. And so I'm talking to different people from different parts of the country, and they write me a 10 to 15 minute tape of somebody narrating what their experience was like. On your copy of Pieces, you're going to hear unique music, but in front of it, snippets of somebody's tape. So I'm talking to diverse authors from all over the country and getting different points of view on what it's going to be like when America collapses. And they're submitting tapes, 10 to 15 minute long tapes of stories of what it's like when a person has to live through their part of the country dying. Now on your copy, you're going to get unique music, but then in front of that, a window of the tape, maybe something like 30 seconds, the fifth minute up through the fifth and a half minute, and then it cuts off. The next segment is on somebody else's copy of the album. So it's creating sort of this alternate reality game uh, that's heavily inspired by how so much ambient or post-rock music has these quotes that are out of context. And so you can talk to other backers and say, Hey, I have on that section on mine where the heavy guitar comes in and it's really thrashing. Somebody's going on about a crime scene, but I don't know what happens next. And somebody's like, oh, I've got that part. I I found the part where they found the body, but I didn't know where it was. And you can work together and say, oh, we're starting to get the complete picture here. And there's a major meta narrative that spans the whole album and links all the pieces together. If everyone combines their copies, they can re-piece back together, sorry to say pieces so much, but that's why the the name of the album is Pieces. They can re-piece <laughs> back together the whole post-apocalyptic timeline. And as a side effect, you have all just all these amazing albums. Yeah, it's like kind of making a puzzle with your friends and it's, you know, sort of like, okay, I need, uh, do you have the blue cloud piece over there? Because I've kind of, I got a blue thing going here. I need the little cloud with the fluffy, you know, and it has like a, a little nook going this way and a cranny, like, is that it? And, you know, it's kind of doing that, but with music. It's a lot like that. And the really cool thing is that it works both conceptually, but also in execution, because it's one thing to tell people the idea, 
which in and of itself is cool. But on Friday, I finally put up on the Kickstarter just a complete export of a copy of a track. And the tracks on this are 10 minutes long. So 10 continual minutes. And it includes the radio simulator that catches snippets of conversations and broadcasts, the tapes, the music, everything. And I'm really proud, um, not to toot my own horn, but I am just proud that for being a cool concept, it also works in execution. Because hearing the tiny windows of these and then hearing them cut off at a musically tense moment and then hearing a different person's recording start, it just sort of works. Everything gets such a sense of overwhelming drama on top of it, like like there was intention. And that is what my projects really rely on to come to life, is the human ability to find meaning in chaos. And there are opportunities for that every second of this album. That is so cool. And this really needs to be something that needs to be supported by this community because Spruik is a friend of the show and he's given so much to this podcast with all the fantastic tips he's given us uh, over the last months and years. And so we should come through for him here. And we're going to, at the end, I'm going to tell you guys how you can support this project on Kickstarter. But uh, before we do that, I want to talk to you, Bill, about what you're doing with the campaign itself as we speak. So for, for folks who don't know how a Kickstarter campaign works, the whole thing is essentially a giant race against time. You have a 30-day window to fund your funding goal, and it's all or nothing. If you don't hit your funding goal, you get none of the money your backers have pledged. And if you do hit that funding goal, you get everything, and you can make whatever fantastic piece of art you've proposed to your backers. And Spruik's in the middle of that 30-day campaign as we speak right now, which means you got to be a giant ball of stress right now, I'd imagine. And... I'd love for you to talk about kind of just what your life is like right now and what you're feeling right now, because I know a lot of artists who are listening are considering doing Kickstarter, and I kind of want to give them a preview of what they're of what they will be going through. And along the way, can you give us some tips on what what listeners should be doing when they're in their own 30 day fundraising period on Kickstarter? Are you are you just kind of sitting on your hands and hoping for the money to come in or are there active things that you have to be doing? Oh my gosh. Um, it's the busiest 30 days you'll ever have. Uh, and you'll die a little every day, but you'll also <laughs> live a little. Um, so I guess I should talk first about the curve. So there's a well-known curve to Kickstarters and, um, the numbers I'm about to give vary between 30 to 50%, but we're just going to call them thirds in general. And every campaign is unique, but essentially you get a third of your funding in the first 48 hours, a third of your funding in the last 48 hours, and the remaining third in the three weeks in the middle, a.k.a. the doldrums. Um, <laughs> now, you'll hear other people, and, and this varies because uh, Kickstarter has, in a lot of ways, um, it they, you do do music there. You also do novels there. You also do writing there. But overwhelmingly, it's a video game, board game, and cool technology gadget store these days. And the curves are a little different for every kind of project. Um, musical curves, I'm not really that boned up on because there aren't that many musicians there. Um, but people will say between 30 and 50% for each of those phases. But in general, you've got the first 48, the last 48 and the middle. So I'm going to say to you that if you're doing a Kickstarter and you set your goal at $10,000 and you see 7,000 come in 
right away. And then you have this long period of time where weeks over weeks are going by and you're getting $50 every day. And you're like, oh, at this rate, we'll never reach the 10. Um, you're probably okay to get that last bit and then some in the last 48. So don't lose hope. Now, if you are in the doldrums phase and you are not hitting the quarter of a way mark, you're in trouble. Okay. Um, so it's important to be familiar with the curve. Now, what are you doing during all this time? Well, you're kind of making, you're kind of building for the end of the curve because what happens on Kickstarter is people see some promise in your idea, but they're clicking that remind me button or pledging to follow for a dollar with a plan to sign up at the end if you prove to be a good steward of the project. Because let's face it, at this point, there are Kickstarter failure stories and scare stories. The FTC has gotten involved once or twice with people who promised the world's first solar-powered water bottle, took their million dollars, and ran. And that's not cool, and it ruins it for the rest of us. So what people do these days is they click Remind Me on a project that looks really cool, and they'll get an email when there's 48 hours left to go on the campaign. They'll come back and see if you've been posting updates, if there are photos of you with your manufacturing equipment, if you've got prototypes, if it looks like you are a good steward of your project, then they pledge. And so you have to be spending this 30 days in the middle, essentially starting to make your product before you've even gotten your first dollar. That's the hardest part about the Kickstarter. I have to pl plow ahead, fully not knowing whether or not I'm going to hit my $15,000 goal, assuming as though I am, and spending money on voice actors and spending money on arts because people have to see that I have my skin in my game to to pledge. Does that make sense? It does. And it, it's it's like a drinking from a fire hose experience. And I imagine it brings out some stress, as you're saying, you know, every day you die a little and live a little. What sort of self-care do you kind of do during this 30-day window to, to make sure you have, that you're in the right psychological mindset for that final push in those last 48 hours? I remind myself that I am incredibly proud of what I've done and that I don't need $15,000 of other people to agree, oh. to be proud. Um, it's something that your audience will know very well. You all know what it's like to be musicians. You know that no matter how much you like a song, a certain part of your ego is bound up in with other people like that song. And it's a little weird to have a song you think is one of the best you've ever written and nobody else sees it. It feels a little bit like cheating or something like, well, the proof is in the pudding. Other people have to like it for me to like it. Well, that is the musician's mindset. But I've worked eight months on this album. I've sank thousands and thousands of dollars into it. And I think what I'm doing is important and it matters regardless of whether or not I can get $15,000 of people to agree that it matters. Now, um, all that said, uh, you have to assume you're going to fund because people need that level of confidence to sign up in the last 48 hour window. So I'm exporting full copies of the album. I'm making the whole infrastructure for the album. I'm signing contracts with people to help create the album because I have the cash to spare. And in the uh, horrible nightmare event that it doesn't fund, which will not come to pass, I'm still going to have a really sweet album that I can sell. No question about it. And this has been so useful for our listeners, I think, because there are a lot of articles out there about, you know, 
how to succeed on Kickstarter and what the Kickstarter experience is like kind of generally. But what you're really giving us is just a really strong you know, window into what this is really like for people day to day. And that's so valuable. And thank you for sharing that with us. And I, it's really visceral, honestly. <laughs> um, and I want to correct a common misconception about Kickstarter. The Kickstarter model, where people basically say, like, you get all the money if you hit your goal. You don't get any money if you don't hit it. So there's no risk to you. There's no risk to the backers. A lot of people think that it means that they can make a campaign where it's like, I want to help print my new album. Everybody pitch in. That's that's a GoFundMe, honestly. <laughs> um, you cannot go over to Kickstarter and say, hey, everybody, I have a really cool idea for a video game. It's going to be ninjas and pirates, so give me money. Nobody will back. You actually have to pretty much build your project, then use Kickstarter as a hype machine and distribution platform for it. So it sounds like people, does that make sense? Yeah, people. It sounds like they need to see serious proof of concept, and proof of concept costs money. So there is an upfront investment. Yes, absolutely. Well, and then there's advertising costs every day. I'm piecemeal managing my Facebook ads and my Twitter ads and my Reddit ads. Um, you have to figure out who your target market is. You have to be sending out. Uh, several PR emails per day. Um, you have to manage needy backers, people who write in and say, I will back your project, but only if you back mine. No, no thanks. <laughs> Get lost, buddy. Um, or people who write in and say, this is really cool, but what I'm really looking for is a geothermal-powered water bottle. Okay, <laughs> I can do that for you, or I can't. It's a different project. Um, especially on music to die alone in space, we had people writing in saying, I would like one, but where the astronaut lives at the end, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not your guy. <laughs> um, now this album is not as piecemeal customizable as the last one. So I haven't had those requests this time, but I'm still fielding questions from backers. Well, I can imagine. And I really appreciate what you said earlier about the importance of finding satisfaction from within as a musician and, you know, getting your head in the right place there. And you're absolutely right when you say that, you know, you you're, you should be proud of what you've done, regardless of how the Kickstarter campaign turns out. All of that being said, we wanted to turn out well around here. We, we want this thing to get funded and, you know, this community loves you. And so can you tell the listeners where they can find and support your project pieces? Certainly go to Kickstarter and go to the music category it's one of the top rated projects there. So you should see it almost immediately. Look for the picture of the destroyed school. Um, barring that, you can also just go to Kickstarter and search pieces, or you can just Google Kickstarter pieces. Uh, unfortunately, Kickstarter doesn't do vanity URLs. I wish I could tell you to go to like Kickstarter slash pieces, but it's actually just this really long, weird string. And so I can't uh, do that. But yeah, just go to Kickstarter, search for pieces. Look for the picture of the overgrown, abandoned school that the death of America has left depopulated. And I really hope to see you on there. Sign up for one of the unique copies. They're $69. You'll get a unique snowflake of an album that only you will ever get to hear unless you choose to share it with others. And maybe you'll get some of the key clues or pieces to the greater mystery. I promise it's worth it. Well, it Plus, it's, Ryan Carella is on it. That's right. Yeah, I, I did some voiceover work for it. I loved it. I, I appreciate the opportunity. I hope the, the stuff I did 
turns out well. I'd hate to think that I dragged your project down. <laughs> yeah, dude, you heard the samples the other week. You killed it. It's oh, so bless you. Humble. You just played your character very, very like to the to the T. Oh, bless your heart. Thank you, sir. All right. Look, folks, here's the thing. All right. Let me just lay it out for you. Spruik has given this podcast so much. He's just drowned us in so much free advice. He's come on this show so many times to help indie artists. And I imagine a lot of you are probably thinking, how can we ever give something back to somebody who's helped us out? And here's your chance. You go to Kickstarter, you look up pieces and let's help out somebody from our community. We stick together. We help each other. And that's how we all succeed. Spruik. Uh, we're gonna, I hope people are going to check this out. It's awesome. We need to get this made, but before we let you go, do you have any last tips you can share with us? <laughs> can we get some more free advice from you <laughs> to share with the indie artist listeners to help move their careers forward? Oh my God. Uh, other than the last 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, because you always give us so much great stuff. Like I, I, I want to kind of squeeze more juice out of that orange. <laughs> sure. Sure. If you're running uh Twitter and Kickstarter ads, Check your targeting, or sorry, Twitter and Facebook ads. Check your targeting frequently. Don't be afraid to pull the plug on ads that aren't converting by the end of the first $100. Uh, but do have a budget of $100 because it can take $100 to see if an ad's converting or not. Um, video is big. Do a video if you can. If you make a Kickstarter, keep your video to under a minute because wa watch through rates drop off dramatically after a minute. Um, Kickstarter will not provide the audience for you, so you do have to bring your audience in the first time. 30 days is the ideal length of a campaign. Do not do longer. Do not do shorter. Do exactly 30 days. Please set your goal realistically. Your goal literally has to be the amount of money it would take to get you to create your album. No more, no less. You'll be very sad if you overestimate it. You'll be very, very sad if you underestimate it. Oh, beautiful. Thank you so much, Bill. Again, you can support the project on Kickstarter. It's called Pieces, A Thousand Albums at the End of America. Thank you so much for joining us, sir. Thank you for having me again, Ryan. Oh, our pleasure. And uh, thank you all very much for listening. Our thanks to Verity White and our thanks to you, DJ Spruik. We will see you all next week on the Break the Business podcast. Mm -hmm.